Hey, welcome to Omens and Epiphanies. I'm Grace, and you have found the place where I look for my spirituality using tarot as a lens. Today we're talking about the magician. So if you have a deck that you want to get closer to or one that you love, maybe go grab it, get a cup of tea, whatever you need. If you're driving, do none of those things. If you're driving, maybe just wave at somebody nearby. Try to make their day a little better. Don't do it like you are like you know them because that confuses people. But just do it just as a friendly kind of thing. And then maybe do it to two people so that way that person knows that it's just to everybody, not just to them. The Magician is the first card of the tarot deck. Technically, it's not because we talked about the Fool last time. But the Magician is number one. And the number one in numerology is planting seeds, having leadership, and having some initiative. It also provides that focus and direction that gives a goal to the fool. So through the fool's journey, this magician is the one that focuses and directs the fool's chaotic energy, that leap of faith. I have four decks in front of me today. I have. I have the Lightseer's Tarot by Chris Ann. The Steampunk Tarot by Barbara Moore and Ali Fell. The Shadowscapes Tarot by Stephanie Fee Moon Law. And the Sun and Moon Tarot by Vanessa Decor. I will look up her name one day. These four cards all have some similar characteristics. All four of these have the infinity symbol somewhere on the card. In the first one, the in the Lightseer's Tarot, it's on the hood of the magician. This magician's looking down and he has his two hands kind of crossed in front of him. His legs have the soles of the feet touching and the knees are splayed. And he's wearing uh, just a black hoodie without sleeves. And his two hands are crossed and there's this light flowing down into what looks like the universe. It's kind of purple and blue and teal and turquoise swirled together with a white center that just reminds me of our universe. And there's little white points like stars. The steampunk tarot has a bald man with a mustache and a goatee with the infinity symbol over his head. It's kind of floating like a halo with some light coming down. He has a cloak with a pentagram as a pin. He's holding a cup in his left hand crossed in front of him and he has a sword pointing down at the pentagram on the floor. In front of him is a wand. On each side are two candles. In the Shadowscapes Tarot, it's a man um, crouched on a rock. <laughs> and by crouched, I mean he has his toes balancing his entire body but he has his um his bum on the top of his ankles and his knees are pointed out right in front of him and the reason this is balanced for him is that he actually has these wings behind him that are black and white that extend past uh, or extend out keeping him fully balanced and he's got these two kind of curvy horns and above the horns is that same infinity symbol between his hands is a green light and it looks like it's floating he has some sort of uh, tattoo on his shoulders and on his wings are hanging a lantern, uh, a feather, some herbs, and a, oh, seashells. And then there's two birds on top of his wings right where these symbols are hanging down. There's also a green light underneath his toes and what looks like little maybe stone imps that are involved in the rocks and there's roses below. <laughs> these cards are so intricate. I love that deck. And then finally, the Sun and Moon Tarot has a, probably a man again, with some dreadlocks on a beach. 
He's pointing up at the stars and he has a uh, bongo drum around his neck. There's a bonfire and a monkey. And then in the stars, there is the zodiac symbols, a cup, a pentagram, a sword, a wand, um, this eye symbol I need to look up from Egyptian mythology, the yin yang, maybe a horse head, and, and again, that infinity symbol. All of these symbols up in the stars are surrounded by a snake eating its own tail. It has not reached its tail yet, but it's going to. And then below the monkey is another symbol that I need to look up. Okay. I'm just going to say really quick that I generally get rid of the little white books <laughs> that come with the tarot cards because they, I don't know, they, I want to be able to read them visually, but I'm glad I kept the sun moon tarot because I want to read what the symbols mean because there's so many in there. So there's a wand with the head of Anubis. That's what I thought was the horse. It represents uh, philosophical, religious, or spiritual arenas. The sword with Horus's eye. Hey, got it indicates the capacity to formulate ideas clearly and concisely. Oh, the monkey symbolizes Toth, the Egyptian god of wisdom. The snake is also infinity in addition to the actual infinity symbol. The star of David incorporates the yin-yang symbol of male-female balance, and the infinity symbol de uh, denotes harmony between the material and the immaterial. And then the, the little symbol underneath the monkey that I wasn't sure what it was is the Hebrew character, Beit, and it's the symbol of a container, represents a blessing or a house. So those are all the symbols from that specific tarot deck. The Magician in the Light Seer's Tarot has a sacred geometry symbol on his right shoulder. If I'm thinking about being him, I think that's the right shoulder. And I was like, what is that? And apparently it's Metatron's cube. And it starts with a fruit of life shape, which I still don't know, but I'll look it up. Like we'll, we'll get to all the sacred geometries as long as I keep sticking with this deck. But there's 13 circles on it and it connects all 13 circles with straight lines. Now, the cool thing is that this includes all five of the platonic solids. Now I'm gonna put my math teacher hat on for a second. Surprise, you didn't know I was a math teacher, did you? A platonic solid is where every face or every flat surface is a regular polygon, which means it has the same sized edges. And all of the faces have the same shape. So these are a pyramid, which is all triangles, a cube, which is all squares, an octahedron, which is all triangles, a dodecahedron, which is all triangles, and an isosahedron, which is all pentagons. Now, these are the only five and there will never be a sixth one. And I kind of visualize like a soccer ball, but a soccer ball is made up of hexagons and pentagons, so it is not a regular polygon. It is not a platonic solid. It has all five of those involved in that sacred geometry thing. This symbolizes the underlying geometric patterns found in the universe. I got all of this information except for the information from math from Soulflower in an article posted on 11, 16, 18. They also sell some shirts with it, so you can always go look at them. But I will be posting pictures of all four of these cards on my Instagram, which is at omens and epiphanies. If you do the and spelled out, you'll find it, but my actual name has the and with an ampersand. So go check it out um, and you can come see all of the things I'm doing. <laughs> on there. It's going to get a lot thicker over time, but for right now, I'm just posting the tarot cards of the day. I might also add the alchemy element symbols and the um, Metrotron's cube on there as long as I'm not taking anybody's information because I, as you can tell, I've been <laughs> diligently telling you where I get everything from and I don't want to steal anybody's information or anything like that. So that's an option there for you to come see what I'm talking about instead of me just describing them to you visually. It's kind of fun to do a podcast, um, but I do wish I could like show you the cards while, as I was doing it. That'd be kind of cool. I don't know. 
According to Tarot 101, the want in all of these uh, is referring to power, will, and direction. The arms in the traditional Raider weight usually have one up and one down. And this is actually kind of shown in all four of these cards. The first magician, the left hand is pointed up and the right hand is pointed down. Same for the shadowscapes, um, left hand up, right hand down. That one's kind of right hand sort of tilted a little bit down, but it's mostly sideways. Steampunk, again, holding the left cup up, the right sword down. And then uh, alternatively in the very last one, the sun and moon tarot, he has his right hand up and his left hand's about to hit the bongo drum. But all of those right hand up, left hand down, whatever it is, is an as above, so below thing, which is a pagan Wiccan thing for anything that happens here on earth is mirrored above. The altar, which we're going to talk a lot about today, is those four elements. The magician in the Lightseer's Tarot has out of his hands these white streams of light. And each one of those has the alchemy element symbols for fire, water, air, and earth, which I wrote fire again in my thing. It's fine. And that infinity symbols in all of them is this infinite possibility. We already know the fool has the guts to do what it takes and the magician has the focus to get in there. So here I am being focused. And that all of this together is clarity and communication according to the Tarot Handbook by Angelus Arian. So let's talk about what I think of this tarot card. I love a lot of these having that sort of balance of all the elements and having magic at your fingertips, but the magician in the steampunk tarot is the only one that I don't trust. <laughs> he looks exactly like the bad guy in Ever After with um, it's like that Cinderella tale where she reads off of Utopia and there's that guy with the gross voice and the mustache that curls and he's like, eh, come here. And he buys her and she's his servant. And she gets away. But this guy's the spitting image of him. So I haven't really trusted him. And I felt vindicated by learning from Tarot 101 by Tim Huggins that historically the magician was actually called the juggler. He was a con artist and a street juggler performing tricks and making money. And so he had this, um this feel of being magic without actually being magical. And that made me feel so vindicated. Now, traditionally in most tarot, tarot readers will say that this is power, it's energy, it's drive, it's focus, will, and manifestation. Those are all from that Tarot 101 book. So what we're gonna talk about today, other than the magician, which is my tarot half of this podcast, is altars because all of these have some sort of altar setup. So that's the spiritual side that I'm going to talk about today. But first, I'm going to take this time to actually, I want to recap what I talked about in the fool episode about spirit guides and spirit animals. So I did some research because I was just, I was still stuck on what, what part of this is, is appropriation. So Well and Good had an article in October 2020 by Aaron Mangner who said, even though spirit animal isn't a term widely used in indigenous cultures, if at all, it takes the concept of their sacred connection with and reverence for nature and twists it into a catchphrase and commodity. She starts off that article with talking about how in the 20, I don't know, 10s, everybody's like, oh my God, that's my spirit animal. This cup of hot cocoa is totally my spirit animal. That person or that thing is totally my spirit animal, right? We all, we've all been there. We were alive at that time, I hope. If you're five and you're listening to this, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so um, 
All of those catchphrases were, were very popular and disgustingly so. They were a huge issue. Um, but one thing I want to clarify is that in here, it's indigenous population, indigenous cultures are very separate. They're very different things because they're all different places. And yeah, they have a huge network where they were talking to each other and they were communicating with each other. But to be honest, not all and very few cultures actually had a term spirit animal. So I was wondering where that even came from in my own world. And I remember that in 1994, this is going to be so embarrassing. Mary Kate and Ashley came out with a film called How the West Was Fun. And it was this whole thing about how they were on a dude ranch and the spoiler alert from a 1994 film, the son was trying to sabotage the ranch so that way a big corporation can come and make it into like a theme park thing. Well, in that time, they met a native a native man who was trying to help them. And he would do things like stand there silently and say, oh, you, you know, you need to find your spirit animal or something like that. And that's where that first came from, where I thought, oh, white people can have spirit animals too. Because Mary-Kate and Ashley found one when they were in the woods. They found these two stones and one was the shape of a bear and one was the shape of an eagle or a hawk. I can't quite remember. But they were so excited about it and he was excited for them, if I remember correctly. It has been a hot minute since I've watched this film. I was kind of curious if the man playing the native um, person was actually native and he is. Ben Cardinal is a um, indigenous person from Canada. But I love this um, interview with Windspeaker Publication in 1990, right before the film was done. He said, I really wanted to write. And he means like, I want to write films or I want to write plays because I got tired of the native stereotype. When Amunia, a non-native, writes about the native community, a lot of it's not really true. And that made me feel that even though somebody who was native was involved in the filming and production of this film, doesn't mean <laughs> that it was true. And so I realized that all of these depictions in film of native culture <laughs> is so wrong. And I feel ashamed that I ever thought that I had a spirit animal. Now, I do want to say that Sofriel on Tumblr um, went off and it's this huge thing and you should totally read it if you can find it. Their post is since taken down, but it's been reblogged so many times that it is around still. I actually found this from Hoodoo Witch on an article on 121213 about um, spirit animals and appropriation. So Sofriel says, yes, people around the world have and had similar traditions as spirit helpers, which are frequently animals. However, the concept of spirit channels in popular culture came from anthropological descriptions of Native American religions. See Durkheim, the elementary forms of religious life. It does not matter if the ancient Celts had similar practices because spirit animals are associated in the popular imagination with natives, not Celts. I and other natives regularly get asked, can you tell me what my spirit animal is? Irish people, for instance, do not. And that's so true. Even if other cultures do have these spiritual animal companions, we never ask them to tell us what their spirit animal is. It's in our minds, in our collective minds, it's a Native American thing, even if it's absolutely not or very rarely a Native American thing. So as a, I don't know, if maybe a finale to last episode, um, I... I know that spirit animal is not a thing that I can use. It is not a term I can use. Totems, however, have been widely accepted as okay. If I find something that says that is not true, I will immediately <laughs> let you know. But I'm okay with having a respectful relationship with nature and with animals using the word totems rather than spirit animals. That's okay with me.
That's part of my spirituality now. All right, let's talk about altars. What is an altar and what goes into it? I have noticed that no matter what spiritual practice people have, there is traditionally an altar involved. Now an altar is a specific place to set intent and practice spell work or practice mindfulness, which I think I'm getting to the point where I think there's the same thing, but we'll get there as we get there. It almost always has the elements involved. And what I've noticed is actually that the north, south, east, and west of each of the elements are fairly regular across beliefs. So in general, I have found that the north is about the earth, and that's usually on the altar as stones, salt, or even a pentagram or a pentacle, which are different. I think that the pentagram has a circle around it. I don't know. The east is almost always air, represented by a feather, a wand, or smoke. The south is almost always fire, represented by a candle, generally speaking. I do think that if you do a incense stick, it counts as two of the things. It counts as the smoke and the flame. And in the west is water. Water can be in a bowl, it could be moon water, which I'm not really certain I ascribe to as a thing, but we'll, I'll get there too. We'll figure that out as we go. I have wondered whether the different element directions are actually sort of Eurocentric, because if I think about, let's say I'm in Europe, west is where the water is, right? West is where water is. And south, if I go further south, that's where the desert is. That would be where fire is. I can kind of see then that north earth is the mountains, and that, that kind of leaves east for the air. I'm not 100% certain why the east is the air in that specific case, but I do wonder if that's very Eurocentric. And the reason I think that is because I remember them by where I am, which is on the west coast of the United States. But I'm kind of curious if I was in Australia, let's say, if this would be switched because north would be where the fire is. The mountains are all mostly probably to the south. And then depending on which coast I am, so maybe if I was in Asia, east would be water. Who knows? So if you live somewhere that's not on the west side of a continent and not in the northern hemisphere, would you pretty please email me and just tell me what directions all this is? You can email me at omensandepiphanies at gmail.com. However, Mama Moon's Book of Magic by Samara Hacksiever has said that you can also use a pentagram as your altar, which has five elements. The star that points up is for spirit. That should be pointing out the door, is what she says. It should be going so that way the energy is leaving, leaving your apartment, leaving your home. I'm going to go clockwise from that, even though apparently everything's supposed to be counterclockwise. I don't know. So to the right of spirit is air. Below air is earth. Next to earth is fire. And above fire is water which isn't really related to that north, south, east, west that we usually see in altars and in the elements, but it still works. I also want to describe the alchemy element symbols that I talked about on that first tarot card, the magician from the Light Seer's tarot. I almost always say Light Seeker, which is why I pause before I say that. So all of these are built off of that Star of David, the two triangles overlapping, which is probably also the as above, so below thing. So only the triangle that has the base flat and the triangle up, if you highlight that part, that's fire. If you highlight the other triangle, that's water, the one that has base up and point down. Air is the same as fire, except it takes the top bar from the water element. 
And Earth is the water triangle, but also the bottom bar from fire. And I remember reading that um, in, (laughs) I don't remember when it was, a very long time ago. They used to think that, like, for instance, Earth was that mixture of fire and water. I don't know how that works, but it's fine. Altars also generally have an athame, which I had to practice saying, (laughs) which is a ritual knife, or it could have a wand. It also usually has a cloth underneath everything. It's just set the space. And some divination tools, maybe a tarot deck, hey, some runes, whatever it is. And possibly even your book of shadows if you're practicing Wiccanism. So your book, your spell book. So all, all of these things build an altar, but it really does depend on you and your spiritual practice. So if you have a deity that you work with, maybe that's a great place to put some of your deity's items. If you work with Poseidon, it's the only one I know. If you work with Poseidon, maybe something from the sea would be good there to work with that deity. I'm going to get to deities at some point. Um, I'm not ready yet, (laughs) but it's going to happen. I have it down for um, justice, I think. Anyways, I was trying to figure out why altars were so specific and why they're so special. I realized that I, I work from home now because... It's a pandemic. So I set up a desk space and I only work at the desk space and I don't work anywhere else. Also, I don't do anything else at that desk space. Even this, I've set away from my desk space. I'm still in the same room because it's quiet and it works for me. But that desk space is where I go because that way it turns on my brain into work mode. My brain goes, great, we're going to get some work done now. I'm going to type in this computer. I'm going to do some things. I'm going to check my email. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. That's what my brain does when I sit at that space. And it's the same for everything. So when you set up an altar, it's you telling your brain, hey, it's spiritual time. And your brain's like, cool, man, let's do it. Having that really is important. Now, that means this could be a virtual space for you. I saw somebody make an Animal Crossing altar where they could sit and read tarot cards or one on the beach with all of these um, gifts to a deity where they could sit and, and, and practice worship. So a lot of you... Um, might not have a home place where you can have an altar set up. Right now, I think mine is outside. I have these five moons I got from Copper Moon Boutique that I hung up on the wall and they're little shelves. And on each of these shelves are things that represent the elements to me. I am very crystal based. I make trees out of crystal and stone and those are the same thing, but it's okay. I mean like river rocks and then crystals are the branches. And so When I think of the element of water, I think of things like maybe amethyst or something blue, (laughs) Um, like a good, good sodalite. And so that's where I put my elements. And then the fifth moon is the spiritual side. So it's very clear. It's got quartz on it, that kind of thing. So I think that's my altar. But also I, when I was, I don't know, in my early twenties, I had a sun mirror that I don't know where I got. But in the center of it, I put my angel cards. They're little purple. I don't know. They're like half the size of a business card. And they say things like courage and productivity and companionship. And so I would draw one of those every day. (laughs) Eventually, I got water spilled all over them. And I have like two left that I just kind of find every now and again. So that's fun. I also had runes on there. Um, I have wooden runes that I got at a little shop that I learned how to read kind of, but I'm still working on that. Maybe that'll be season two of this podcast. We'll see. But regardless, having that place that I could sit in my craft room 
that kind of just looked like a table topper. Like it wasn't anything crazy. Nobody really thought much of it, even though I did live with my boyfriend at the time who was very, he was afraid of the religious stuff. It's fine. We're, I'm over it. So having that sort of space really does help, but you can do it virtually. The idea is just that your brain goes, oh, it's spiritual time. Cool. Let's do this. So don't stress about that you're not a real witch or you're not really celebrating your spirituality if you can't have that in your life. That is not true. It's not the case. Also, I've noticed that tarot readers do the same thing. They have a reading cloth that they spread out. I'm not saying if you don't have a reading cloth, you're not a reader. Again, this is all spiritual practice, but it's the the only intent is to get your brain into that mode. They'll do it barefoot sometimes. Some people say that that's the best time for energy transfer. I just wear shoes if I'm wearing shoes and I don't wear shoes if I don't wear shoes, but it's not a thing where I like have to take off my shoes if I'm going to read, but some people are like that. The number of shuffles they do is ritualistic. They always do seven or they always do 14 or they just do it till it feels right. And that's part of their spiritual practice to get their brain in the mode. Some readers cut their decks, some don't. Some have the querent or the recipient of the reading cut the deck and others don't let anybody else touch their cards. Some draw from the top, flip the cards over. Some take from the sides of the decks. Some have to sit there for a little bit and close their eyes and visualize a white light coming down and washing over their body. So even people who just do tarot readings and aren't in some sort of spiritual practice, they'll do the same thing as a person who's practicing with an altar. It's the same. It's the same. Isn't that crazy? Um, I do want to say that if you're new to the tarot reading section of the internet, you'll find a lot of like, oh, you have to do this, or you can never do this, or you must do it this way. Don't listen to them, okay? Set up a ritual that works to put your brain in the mindset and then stick to it. Because otherwise, you're just doing things to do things, and that's not really fair to yourself. You have to, you have to be open to what works best for you. And then as long as you stick to it, that's your spiritual practice, and that is absolutely correct. So here's what I've learned today. (laughs) I've learned that altars are just a place for intention to practice your craft. And um, what you put on it is really up to you. Even though there are traditional ways to do everything, do it your way. Do what you got to do. And then let me just go through all of my places you can contact me. I'm on Twitter now, at Omens Epiphanies. I'm on Facebook, Omens and Epiphanies. Instagram, Omens and Epiphanies. I have a website, omensandepiphanies.com, and I'm on TikTok a little bit, (laughs) at omensandepiphanies. I hope you enjoyed listening. I hope you learned something. Please reach out. I like knowing I'm not alone. (laughs) Tell me I'm not just talking to myself uh, with all those things I already mentioned, and I hope you have a beautiful day. I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.